Welcome to the Pitching Nerd Show, where we get nerdy about the art of pitching. I'm your host, Sean Kitzman, aka The Pitching Nerd. Let's get into the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody here? This is Sean Kitzman, aka The Pitching Nerd. This is episode 10 of The Pitching Nerd Show. I am super excited to have my new friend, who's not very far from me. We met on the Instagram the other day, Kennedy Haney. Kennedy is a sports and performance dietitian. She has her master's of science. No, master's, you you do it, because I'm not gonna do it. You go ahead and do it. Give me your titles. I have my master's of science in exercise and, uh, or applied exercise science with a sports nutrition concentration. I'm a licensed and registered dietitian within the state of Minnesota, and I have my certified personal trainer. See, you did that way better than I do it. So I just need to let everybody give their own letters after that. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is really kind of like our first actual chat. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the people I have on the show, except for Bob Kendrick, I had Bob Kendrick on the other day from the Negro League Baseball Museum. Awesome. Oh my gosh, that was super. Cr- you, if you happen to listen to it, you can see how mm-hmm. much how 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 much I fanboy because I legit do. Um, but so this is going to be a really cool opportunity for for me to learn about you and the bonuses that we're super close. And so, you know, mm-hmm. the other thing is, is that I think we think a lot, we have a lot of similar ideas and thoughts and um, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that we can, we can have a pretty cool partnership here. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. So tell everybody about you. Who are you? Where'd you come from? You know, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I am from a very small town in central Minnesota. So if anybody's heard of Maple Lake, Minnesota, there's about 2,300 people. There you go. Um, I graduated with 120 kids and probably half of them are my cousins. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then I have my master, or I'm sorry, I have my undergraduate degree from St. Kate's and St. Paul. I played just one year of Division Three softball there, nothing too special. Um, finished over there, went on and got my master's degree in one year from the uni- or from Concordia University, Chicago. Um, there I worked under a variety of amazing sports dietitians in this world. And then, you know, kind of in between my bachelor's degree and my master's degree, I have my 1,200 hours of supervised practice. So in those hours, I worked beside Miss Raza Troop, who was the 2008 Beijing Olympian and the dietitian for the Minnesota Twins. Super cool. Um, just such an asset to this world. She's so intelligent. Um, And then a little bit with the Minnesota Gophers, I started working with St. Cloud State's football team prior to their closing, but my expertise really is in that baseball softball world. So that's how I'm here. Awesome. Well, that was a, that was just a real short Reader's Digest condensed version. You're kind of like I am. Yeah. So how did you get the dietitian? So tell me about that. Like, like, I'm sure that when you were seven and you were thinking about the things that you were going to do with your life, like dietitian was probably at the top of the list, right? It wasn't like movie star or, you know, anything like that. It was dietitian. So how did you get there? Yeah, no, um, I think when I was young, I was actually going to become a country music singer, but that would be pretty hard if I can't sing. So That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually went off to college and majored in pre-med biology for my first year, and then I had a long withstanding relationship with an eating disorder that kind of took a toll on sure. my uh, softball career, which is why I chose to end after one year. Sure. And uh, just kind of for fun, I took a nutrition foundations course my first summer after going into undergrad. And uh, I 
you know, I don't like, I couldn't even look back. I just knew that that was kind of where I was supposed to be. Oh, and cool. my professor who actually taught the class is like one of my favorite women in the world. I'm still with her. We're going out for, for wine on Thursday. So she's still in my Super. life. But yeah, the, I mean, it was one class and I was like, there's nothing else in this world for me. So, well, I think that is such a cool story. And also, obviously, you know, I have my I'm a baseball guy right mm -hmm. but I I have some softball people that follow me yeah. um and I would like to make more inroads with the softball community um because I think that uh there's there's a huge tie over between it but I think that it is so important for young women to have someone to look towards that mm -hmm. has experience with it not only in the game but also personal experiences with eating issues Mm -hmm. And and by the way, let's be fair. It's it doesn't it doesn't hit just female athletes. Right. Male athletes have this same issue, right? Right, um, and it's definitely harder for male athletes to come out because we have this stigma. You know, we're talking about it a little bit more, but we're talking about it for women. So there's yeah. definitely no shame. And if you're a man with an eating disorder, you know, you're not alone. Well, and and the eating disorder for guys is a little is a little different too because. Um, you it's not so much well for for a certain subset of guys like it's not so much about losing weight it's about gaining weight mm -hmm. and um trying to do that and people don't rec they don't realize how mm -hmm. freaking hard it is to eat four thousand or five thousand or you know mm -hmm. or you know double your body weight and protein or whatever people are trying to do i i i non-competitively powerlifted because i'm 510 165 pounds so <laughs> that didn't make me a very competitive powerlifter mm -hmm. but you know i was pushing my i was pushing my my body to the limits and in the late 90s you know there wasn't a lot of good anything on nutrition so you know we used to joke that we were on the seafood diet we saw food and ate it yeah <clears throat> but people would i mean like the I, the heaviest i've well i've recently gotten heavier than that but i'm also 44 you know mm -hmm. like um i think my metabolism is finally slowed down enough to where um i could potentially gain weight if i wanted to um <laughs> but i seriously i couldn't before like people would go out and eat with me and they were like are you going to eat all that? And I'm like, yeah. And about another two hours, I'm going to eat again. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's a really important thing to have it, the, this profession in sports performance. Because the other problem is, is that like, you know, there's obviously a very um, medically based clinical aspect to dietitians mm -hmm. that isn't meant for the sports performance world. Right. right? Yep, Be because they're not the same thing. Right. Absolutely. So that's, you know, we go out and we do four years of clinical based yeah. nutrition evidence, you know, all scientifically sourced evidence based uh, nutrition information. Well, how are you supposed to get any any exposure to the sports nutrition world in right. that asset in and in a clinical um, academia world? So it's really those ones who have a passion for it go out and they find opportunities or, you know, I didn't have to get a master's. I don't have to have one until 2024. 20, but, you know, Concordia University was too good with their faculty members. So I couldn't pass it up. Sure. So, you know, it's just being tenacious and getting a little gritty to find areas where you can get better. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is I don't even know how I saw you. <laughs> um, on, on Instagram. I don't even remember, but I saw that you, you had referenced performance nutrition. And then I had said that, you know, my kettlebell sport coach um, last year, I think, or maybe a year and a half ago, uh, got his level one cert with PN. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the big thing with nutrition 
<clears throat> or with with what you do is 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 that the eating part is the is the important part, but mm-hmm. the habits of changing the lifestyle is what's really really important. Right. And I think that PN is so great for that because it breaks it into bite sized chunks, so you can actually you can make those lifestyle changes. And then mm-hmm. also most importantly, like restart when you have to because you're going to have to. Like they give it, they make it a a very easy thing to do. Right. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about that. Talk about performance nutrition, why you've decided that that was a route that you were going to go through, you know, talk about why that was important to you. Yeah. So growing up as an elite athlete, I actually represented Minnesota on a national level. Um, I played for some of Minnesota's best elite teams, went off after um, a second place finish in the state tournament my senior year and represented Minnesota on a border battle team, you know, just all these amazing experiences. Well, then I went off to college and played my one year. Um, I kind of had too big of a head to walk on at the University of Minnesota, so that was why I ended up at a Division three school. Mm-hmm. No shame in it. I loved it. It was so amazing. Um, and then, you know, I, I had anticipated, so I also have a psychology minor, mm-hmm. so I had anticipated that I was going to go in and become an eating disorder dietitian. Well, then once you graduate undergrad and you apply for your supervised practice, you have to have it from an accredited institute, and it's just, you know, kind of a wild matching game. and. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply to the University of Minnesota's eating disorder track with the EMILY program. That's all four years that had been my plan. Well, then I knew that I was going to be able to work with the Minnesota Twins, and I was like, do I, what do I do? Do I go back, sure. you know, and I felt so obligated because you had put four years and thousands and thousands of dollars into sure. education. Well, I'm so, you know, I just kind of sat there and I prayed about it a little bit and it kind of fell into my lap that that was the way I ended up going. And during my time with the twins, I, and, and not necessarily the twins, but with, in those supervised practice hours, I had the ability to understand that you will see athletes who have eating disorders. Sure. Um, so and I don't have to leave that piece behind. So that's kind of how I ended up here. And just performance nutrition is so different. So I didn't want to be a clinical dietitian. No shame to the people who do that because people who do it have so much love for it, which is amazing. And that's why you're there. But I have love for athletes who want to come to me and they want my help and they want to get better. So that's just the best part about being a sports dietitian. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk about like, you know, kind of talk about the foundation of, of what you do in your practice and, um, you know, if you, what, what would you do? What is the onboarding process for a new client? Yeah, so my motto is really to teach these athletes how to fuel themselves with whole foods first. So I have a very whole foods first approach. However, I do utilize um, supplements and supplement companies. So when I onboard a new client, it looks like they fill out a survey. They kind of tell me what their goals are, what they're struggling with, and why they've struggled with it. And a lot of times it's just lack of knowledge or Mm -hmm. confusion about, you know, kind of what circulates in the media or you know, just a variety of different things. So then I asked for a three-day food uh, diary and I kind of analyzed that. And like I had posted something on my Instagram the other day, you know, we can't help these athletes if we don't first change the way they eat. So if I'm not analyzing an athlete and taking advantage of their weaknesses in their diet. So I have a lot of male baseball players who come to me and they're extremely, extremely low on protein and sky high on fat. Well, Anybody who's studied the science behind baseball players knows that fat is the least crucial macronutrient for those guys that slows them down, that makes them heavy, Um, just kind of some adverse processes. So, so much area for growth just in that small piece of it. Then we kind of get the ball rolling. Um, I watch how they transition and how they keep, you know, picking at the one piece or the two pieces that I've given them. And then gradually we just kind of snowball and work on different areas of it. But something that I, I talk about every time I counsel an athlete is, 
recovery nutrition. That's yeah. my big, I'm a key believer in that. And, you know, we're, every practice, every game, we're out there to prevent injuries specifically. So, yeah, super important. And that's the funny thing is that it's so hard. And I did this. Like, I'm not immune to this. I've, I've done this multiple times myself in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's so hard to <clears throat> understand that you can't redline forever. And when you're a, a young athlete, um, you have this you have this margin for error that's great until it's not, mm-hmm. right? And so um, something like nutrition, I mean, can be a huge component in the way that they sleep, mm-hmm. in the way that they, they think cognitively, yep. in the way that their mood is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for an athlete, especially for pitchers, right? I mean, like, yep. I, man you need to you need to be able to operate from this level of a playing field as you possibly can in your day-to-day life your yeah. stress level should be low so that mm-hmm. by the time you get on the mound you're you're on the mound with a good frame of reference and you're confident about who you are because mm-hmm. there's going to be times in the game when you're not confident about who you are mm-hmm. you know and it could be one inning that just goes to shit and then right. all and then you've got to figure out how to turn it around and if and if you're and if you're you're your nutrition isn't good, then it's a really hard thing to do. Right. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of athletes forget too, that stress plays a role in injury prevention. Yeah. So if you're out, you know, your mechanics are wrong, you know that, um, but you have a larger increase or a larger opportunity for error. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's so crucial that we make sure you're well fueled before you even hit them out, especially for baseball pitchers. Yeah. They're one favorite populations to work with because in two hours of practice of a game of pitching whatever it is you're gonna burn 900 calories on average sure and that's i would say that's for about a high school senior we have kids who are younger than that or kids who are older than that with more muscle you're gonna burn more than that yeah and and it's so funny because everybody thinks that pitching isn't this athletic thing right (laughs) but they're burning 900 calories i mean exactly that's bananas exactly yeah and and when I so the Minnesota Twins dietitian who I observed for a long time, she was a steeplechaser. So she was in the Olympics sure. for an, as an endurance athlete. So she loves that. And she's taught me amazing things about it. However, I think that we hear that baseball players don't have the same needs as an endurance athlete when realistically they don't. But when you look at it like that, these kids got to be eating, you know, 4,000, 5,000 calories, depending on who you are. But then I give that number out and I don't want anybody to associate that with their personal intake because I make sure everybody knows you are so individualized. So you could have, you know, a starting pitcher on this varsity team and the other one that they're playing. And those two aren't going to feel anywhere near one another. For sure. Yeah. mm -hmm. And, and that's the, that's, it's funny because, you know, one of the things that I see about PN that I think is really cool and some of the stuff that you're talking about, and it, this is this is something that I don't think is actually talked about enough. Um, there's, there's this really interesting gap from uh, age, first of all, and then second of all, like where you're at on the food chain. So mm-hmm. if you're a starting pitcher, or like if you're, if you're, a, if you're a young athlete who's, pretty much gotten by on your athleticism but you've done no strength training you've done no nutrition you can kind of cookie cutter it Mm -hmm. for a bit for a bit right and then what will happen is is that you're going to get to a place and it won't take very long it's going to take maybe a year for strength training maybe a year and a half the most right where Mm -hmm. that cookie cutter approach is no longer going to work for you and also 
in nutrition, like the, the higher that you climb on the food chain, the more important it is that you have your own personal dial, your, your own personal thing dialed in. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, I love that. yeah, I, I think that it's really important. And it's, these are things that people don't talk about. And as we're putting together, like the, the online platform that I'm putting together, um, that's one of the conversations that I have with the guys a lot. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that I work with on a regular basis, that was the conversation that he and I started having last year because we've worked together for two years. And he started to hit like these kind of plateaus. And in those plateaus, some of the problem was that he he would hit those plateaus and didn't understand why, right? right. And then and then was very in, and this is understandable. I'm, I'm, uh, when I say this, I'm not being judgmental at all. Like this is, this is what happens when you don't have somebody that helps you to supervise it, right? He didn't understand why he couldn't break some of the plateaus. And so what he thought is what we all think is I need to work harder. Yes. And, and so, so when you get to that place with, with, with nutrition, it's not about working harder. You know, this, the old cliche is you got to work smarter. No kidding. Bitching nerd. <laughs> right. But there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of conversation on how you do that. Right, exactly. And I tell these athletes too, and I have some parents who, have, you know, because I work with minors, so parents yeah. have to be a tricky piece in what I'm doing. And I look at these parents and I'm like, you have no idea what kind of service you're doing for your child by starting them at such a young age. Because, you know, if I had somebody who was looking over what I was doing nutritionally at the age of 13, sure. you know, what kind of athlete could I potentially have been? For sure. So, just by doing this, you're setting yourself up for so much success. And like you said, you can you can get by with the cookie cutter approach for a while, but you might peak a couple years earlier. Well, what are you going to do if your peak's in sophomore year and you come back junior year of high school right. and you're not the athlete you were last year? Right. You're going to lose scholarships, lose those recruits and the scouts that are looking at you. So it's just really crucial that every piece of the puzzle is connected and you have that with you. And that's why nutrition and exercise science and, um, you know, weight training, strength training goes so hand in hand. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, so when I, when I first started working with athletes back in 2007, um, and you were probably like, what about four at that time? <laughs> I was 10. Okay. All right. I was close. I was close. So back in 2007, um, it was funny because the narrative was at that time, why did those kids need you? You know, I can't believe right. that that you're that they're that those parents are paying for that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, you know. And of course, <clears throat> um, I come from a, a very blue collar community in Michigan, um, and so there's kind of that thought behind that. But mm -hmm. the thing that all of those people didn't understand was a parent. These parents, when you play at an elite level, your parents, these people are spending tens of thousands of dollars a year. You mm -hmm. know, they're they're spending money up front to hopefully get money on the back end in a scholarship. Exactly. Yep. And so, so, you know, having an understanding and, oh my God, can you imagine how much everybody's, their, their journey to college, I, I didn't go to college, but this is what I hear, right? So, but can you imagine everybody's journey going into college if you understood what you were supposed to eat and exactly. how to, and how to meal prep and how to prepare and how to plan? Holy crap. What a, right. yeah. I think a lot of people are confused. Like, what is a dietitian going to do for me? Because they have this mindset that we're just in there saying, okay, you're going to have two bananas and right. or whatever. Yeah. You, they don't understand that we're in there and we're taking anthropometric data. We're going to see what your measurements are. I'm going to see what your agility, what your speed, what your stamina yep. looks like. 
how cognitively well you're functioning. Yep. So that can influence your performance. We're tweaking all sorts of different things with you. But at the same time, you know, if you go off to college, you're going to see a sports dietitian who's in your collegiate setting and they're going to do grocery store tours. They're going to teach you how to cook in there because not only do they want to set you up for success in your you know, sports career, but they want to make sure that you transition over to being a well-nourished, balanced adult and that you have these abilities when you grow up. Yeah. And what a cool thing it is not being like, you know, essentially waterboarded when you go into college, like, oh my God, I got to change all these things. And you're already in a super stressful situation, right? Mm -hmm. More competition, the spots mean more, right? I mean, all of those things, I mean, that could be a huge issue going forward for people. Right. And that's tell these kids too. And I'm like, okay, so let's start when you're a freshman in college or a freshman in high school. So you have four years of working with me and you know, you can anticipate what you're going to get when you go off and potentially have to be on your own or you're not a starter there and you're not the main focus of, you know, these coaches, how can you tweak your nutrition to make sure that you move up? And I tell these kids too, you know, maybe working with me for two, three years is going to make you skip that red shirt season and you're going to be a starter right away on some sort of capacity, you know? So it really is, it, it, tips the scale for a lot of people how cool i was excited about this whole thing before we started but i'm super excited about it now i I love i love hearing about how passionate you are and how you (laughs) kind of align the passion with a very measured approach Mm -hmm. right because that's that's we're in this field (laughs) yeah well but but the thing though is is that it's really easy for people to jump in and kind of go all or nothing as well and that's not Mm -hmm. a lifestyle change right right? exactly And, exactly. and And that's such a critical component for people as they go, as they climb the food chain, is they have to be able to make those little lifestyle changes from from high school. Well, from from like, you know, community ball to travel ball. That's a lifestyle change from yep. travel ball to. And now the, one of the bonuses, I think that I think Minnesota sports in general does a really good job with the way that they they have their high school programs set up. Yes. Um, yeah, we do very well. Because, because you know, like a lot of teams, you know, a lot of high school teams have travel teams. Yep. And and that's not the case in Michigan. That's mm-hmm. not the case yep. at all. So so if you if you're an elite level player in Michigan, you play on a travel team, you may not you may or may not play on your high school team. That's crazy. Yeah. So um like I knew a, a kid uh that played hockey for uh a triple A hockey team mm-hmm. in Michigan. Uh, and that was one of the best AAA hockey teams in, in the in the country, mm-hmm. and they moved to Michigan from California, which was bananas. But they right. moved to Michigan from California for this kid to play on this team. Okay. And so um, I asked him. I was like, "Hey, uh, and by the way, that the high school that he went to is is a is a they're regular state finalists, right? Mm-hmm. And state champs, right? So it's not like he went to a crappy high school." Right. Where the team sucks. The team was really good. Like th- th- his addition on the team could have made them exponentially better, right? right? And I said, "Hey, do you play? You know, with with do you play for Brighton?" And he goes, "No, I don't play for Brighton." And 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 I also understand why because not everybody that's that the problem when that doesn't happen. What happens is that you have kids that are good, but they're not kids that play at the same level. Yes. And so yep. you know you're not actually getting better. Right. 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 And I look at myself too, you know, when I left uh, high school, you know, I was a fantastic player for the state of Minnesota. Well, guess what? When you go off to college, you're not just playing with kids who are in your state. You're going to see those kids from the South who can play all year long. And yes, we do have the opportunity, you know, where we can play in domes and we can play in fall season, but 
we're not always in the same climate, whereas those kids are training in the same exact climate day in and day out. So again, I just tell all my kids, like, you don't know how lucky you are to have this resource. And I'm told I'm not, you know, showboating or anything like that, yeah. but just to look in there and say, you guys, you are going to be twice the athlete because you chose to focus on things to better yourself. Well, and, and someone who understands what it's like to go up and then get your legs chopped out, right? Because <laughs> yes, exactly. that's, that you know, I mean, because that's really where you learn. I mean, that's where you start to grow and that's where you start yeah. to see, like, you know, the passion comes that you want to help someone not repeat the same mistake that you did, yes, right? Exactly. Which is which is really amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a really important thing um, because then you can empathize. Right. You, because... The problem with kids, the problem for kids is that they run out of people they can trust yes. really quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was that was one of the early things that I realized when I started working with with the, the kids that I worked with in Michigan is that they don't have the people because, you know, s- sports parents and I'm not going to throw a g- broad generalization across to everybody because I try not to be a sports parent. Yeah. But I mean their expectations for their kids and the pressure they put on their kids without even knowing it, right, mm-hmm. is yep. really big. And then, you know, like you're only going to talk – as a parent, you can only wear so many hats. Right. You know, like I, I've i always – with our son, um, I wear the dad hat as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I've I've purposely pushed him to people that have expertise like like someone like you. He's, he's, he's a big musician. Um so, like, if you listen to the the intro, he he actually edits, produces, and does the intro and outro music oh for, yeah, for the wow. show. Yeah, um, but like, I've I we've put him in places where he could be around other people that mm-hmm. were obviously quality people. Where I'm not, you know, just running down the road and throwing money at anybody that you know could fog a mirror and count to ten, right? But but like that ability for me to say, hey, look, go talk to. His old guitar instructor in Michigan, his name was Corey. Go talk to Corey about this, right? right? And I would tell Corey, like, I don't want to be coach dad to him right. on this. Because first of all, I don't even know where the I don't even know where you go when you play guitar. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, if it's do you hold it like this? Do you hold it like this? Right? Yeah. Where, where do you go? I mean, where does where does everything work? Chords? Yeah, I mean, like I can put those together in the computer, you know. But like, so so you know, like it was. It's really important. And then what I, because what I started to see when I was working with kids is that I would have kids that would work with me, and and eventually, as it went on, like you know, the parents would drop them off, and and then I would develop a relationship with the kid. And Mm -hmm. I have relationships with four or five of my athletes Mm -hmm. that that I worked with. You know, some of them now I haven't seen in as a client for eight or nine years, right. you know, they're, they're, we've become friends, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think it's really important in, for, for their development, you know, to have those people that they can trust. Mm-hmm. And then also people that know what it's like to go through some of the things that they're going through. Right. And I see there's, uh, I've seen a couple of uh, dietitians who I went through school with who just, they went into sports nutrition and didn't fit the part. And for sure. You know, 
kids can't relate to that and they and they have a hard time and they want to create these relationships you know kids are always looking for you know a professional or a parental figure no matter where they are yep. and subconsciously they do this so if you're not somebody who can relate to their story there's no point in going into it and that's not to say that they're not amazing at what they do but it's just like you said creating that relationship piece and then I love to work with the parents too because you know they're most likely 99% of the time they're the ones who are putting the food in the lunchbox for or sure cooler for tournaments or whatever so it's all it's all connected yeah and um I, you know it's 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 a really tough thing because they're it's they're at such an influential age mm -hmm. and um i in the in the massage therapy world um it's why i've moved so far away from massage to be honest with you the the amount of people the amount of you know massage therapists and and i and i'm when, let me do this broadly massage therapists chiropractors physical therapists uh osteopaths uh you know all of those people who don't who were never athletes who mm -hmm. pretend that they understand athletes like yeah. look i understand i'm i'm a psycho right yep. <laughs> i understand i am an idiot i'm a moron i get it right <laughs> I do things with my body that most people wouldn't do. And by the way, I'm a 44-year-old hobbyist jiu-jitsu dork, right? Like, I'm not even like a world champion, mm -hmm. but I understand it. And I understand what it's like to be injured. And so right. that's why I'm super passionate about, like, when when I get really super pissed when people try to come into my onto my content and they want to throw stuff at me, mm -hmm. like, like telling me about injuries. No, yep. look, pal, first off, look. First off, I have been doing this for probably as long as you've been alive for. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I know what it's like to be injured. Right. And I know what it's like to dig down the rabbit hole of figuring out how to get myself uninjured. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for you on your end, it's the same story. And that's why you can stay yeah. so engaged. I mean, really, that's why you can stay so engaged and you're so passionate about it. And it's also why it's easy to trust you because you're being authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. Right. Right. Because that's how you build trust. Right. Totally. I get it. Yeah. And, then, you know, coming in with that whole expert piece, too, I think that's another reason why I went into sports nutrition, because it's really easy for these coaches, you know, health coaches to come in here and, and try to impersonate a dietitian. But you can't impersonate no. a sports dietitian. No, no. <laughs> and, you know, it's not safe to do it with any person. But when you're when you're messing around with somebody's you know, potential future, scholarship, yep. college, um, yep. livelihood potentially one day, you can't do that. Yeah, I'd say that again, please, because I think that's, uh, you said a lot of really smart things, but I think that's the best thing that you said so far. Because yeah. it, it actually goes into how much you care about what you do. So say that whole thing again. <laughs> yes. So I love being a sports dietitian because nobody can come in and impersonate you. Yep. Whereas, you know, health coaches and things like that can come in and they can impersonate a dietitian who gives regular general nutrition advice. But you can't come in here and, you know, mess around with sports and mess around with athletes because you're impacting their livelihood on some capacity, whether it be uh, a very, very good college athlete who's going to go to the pros, somebody who's going to get picked up out of high school. You know, you could potentially knock off somebody's scholarship or this all ties into their future and the type of person and type of athlete that they become. So, you know, that's why I kind of love what I do because nobody can impersonate that. You're making me tear up over here. <laughs> like you have no idea what you, I mean, because that's, that's what I say. I yeah. take it personally, like, like my job. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> last week I had a bit of a, a chaotic, actually last, what was it? Last Thursday? I think it was last Thursday. Mm -hmm. I had like, like in, on Thursday, 
Yeah, it was Thursday. On Thursday, I had like a whole eight weeks, the whole 10 weeks of COVID that I've, I've had to deal with. I had like in one day, right? I don't have a stressful day. I, I don't have stress in my life. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've created an environment where like my stress levels are pretty low. But right. I had a bunch of things happen to me. And I had, I had someone infer that I was potentially doing something that could be harmful to the, uh, a person's career. Mm-hmm. See, we might actually fight now. Because, like, and remember, like, I'm a knuckle dragger. I, you know, I spent an hour and a half this morning with a training partner of mine trying to choke each other, right? Like, so we, that's how we handle shit, right? I mean, like, so, but I take that really personally. Mm-hmm. I take, my, so, so now I've made it a goal. I want right. to get 100 guys to throw mm-hmm. 90 plus with no injuries. Yeah. That's my goal, mm-hmm. right? Because once I did that, I can wave the middle finger at coaches who, by the way, there's a whole, their dugouts are littered with guys who've had arm injuries or low back injuries or knee injuries. Mm -hmm. And then the, because, because the thing that I love about what you're doing and what you're talking about is, is it's not just like, oh, here, I'm going to write this on a piece of paper and I'm going to give it to you. There's education. Again, I've said this 800 times already, but like you're trying to change someone's lifestyle. Right. And with changing a lifestyle, you can't do that just handing them a, a, a Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. and then, you know, a cookbook. Like, you right. have to do it slowly. It has to be done with a ton of education. Right, absolutely. And I think, it, it, you know, too, some people struggle with why do you, why do you want to work with athletes? Because you're not necessarily, you're not, they see it as you're not impacting their life. They're not sick. Oh, my God. You're, you're potentially, you know the average college scholarship for somebody who wasn't plays division one is $15,000 a year. Right. So now that athlete made $60,000 and could potentially have such minimal college debt that they don't have to stress out for the rest of their life. Right. So it's play I'm impacting their life. <laughs> yeah. And also like you just talked about dollars and cents and finances, but mm-hmm. what is the difference if that person, because they've, they've developed these habits and you've set the table for them. What is the difference for that person as they're going forward, like when they're 25 and 30 and they have kids. Right. Like, right. And that's an amazing, you know, picture too, because now, you know, whether they choose, they don't have the opportunity to go on and play pro. Let's say I'm working with a softball player. We don't necessarily have a professional league. Unfortunately, they, they played four years of division one softball. They came out with such minimal debt they have amazing skill sets now. They know how to fuel themselves and they can go on and be healthy adults and teach, you know, their families and impact those around them to become better. And I go off and I talk a lot about at, at um, like high school career fairs and stuff. And I get a lot of little girls who raise their hand and they say, how did you know you wanted to be a dietitian? And I said, I didn't until I took the class. But now you, I never had somebody who would come and stand in front of me and say, this is X, Y, Z, what you can do specific to athletes. We didn't know we had the opportunity to work with athletic populations. We thought we were going to go on and work in a hospital with sick people. But now you have these people sitting in front of you who want to get better and they want to learn so they can be better, whether they're a better athlete or a better adult. They don't care. Kennedy, you are a freaking rock star. I love you. You have no idea how excited I am about this conversation. And I get excited about everybody, like as I talk to them more. But like you are hitting something that is so close to the things that I look at. And when 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 people who've worked with me, they're gonna listen to this and they're gonna go, Oh, Sean got another Sean got another crush. He's got another person that he's just like like just absolutely loves. And yeah. and because oh man. Like, 
It is so important. And and so because because my goal, like, and I've said this before, and I'm gonna say this a lot for me, is I don't want I, I, I will get MLB players and guys from the minors that I work with. And that's super fun. And that's really exciting. It strokes my already large ego and it makes me just a little bit more arrogant, right? Yeah. Um but that's not who I'm after. Right. I'm after my son's age. Because mm-hmm. I recognize that at, at the at the level that I want to, to that I want to make a, a contribution and leave my legacy, it's exactly. not it's not going to be the guy that 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 you know I work with that's at the professional level. Mm-hmm. It's twenty years from now, exactly right. And so what you're talking about is you're talking about a legacy. You're mm-hmm. talking about creating a relationship with a with a young athlete, with a young person, right? With a young human that is long lasting right. and and it it will go far beyond the 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 time that you work with them they okay. will remember you and the lessons that they learned cuz they're they're also like just basic life lessons right, right. you right. it's not all or nothing and that's a tough thing as an athlete right cuz that's the things that you have to do all the time right you have to do that all the time and and it's not all or nothing it's not how can you you know um be the best in this one moment with with lifestyle stuff. You mm-hmm. have to be. You have to get good at being average for a long period of time. Yes. Yeah. Right? You have to be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to be average for a long period of time, and that builds consistently consistency, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you go in, that was the thing that that I'm really trying to push forward with the the uh, with the pitching community. Like, hey guys, you don't have to throw. A hundred percent every bullpen. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, mm-hmm. the, show me a sport on the face of the planet where they're going at max effort right. that they go a hundred percent every, right. and that's sustainable. Right? right, and it makes me nervous though to hear that you know guys are going so hard in the bullpen too because I talk with athletes and I say, "What's your recovery strategy?" And they're like, "What?" Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing after you get home from practice? Well, I take ibuprofen and I ice. Yeah. You ice. Two. Okay, well, when you practice five days a week, you need to ice every day. You know, we can probably skip the ibuprofen unless it's you're in excruciating pain. But there are significant scientifically sourced evidence-based nutrition strategies to recovery that, you know, that's my favorite topic in the whole world. So, you know, it's that's one small piece of what – performance nutrition can do so here we go here's our next softball for you that you can just crush so yeah. that's your favorite thing in the world yep. go talk about it let's yeah talk so about it. as a whole i talk about a lot about a recovery cocktail so that's what i call it um as a whole it is not researched in, in, in its entirety but each key piece of it is researched and scientifically supported so when i work with athletes i recommend juice performer that's the company um tart cherry juice i have a discount code with them i am an affiliate so i throw that out there as well um otherwise you could do powdered form and it's resync so essentially mm-hmm. the whole thing is nitric oxide two ounces mm-hmm. and then you're gonna do two ounces of vitamin c apple juice orange juice grape juice grapefruit juice whatever and this half a scoop of collagen so together that mixture antioxidant so it acts as a vasodilator it goes in and targets those free radicals gets or not gets rid of but decreases your muscle soreness helps you come back faster helps you have better lifts you're more flexible, your range of motion is increased. Then vitamin C goes in there and it promotes collagen regeneration. So then when you pair it with an actual supplementation of collagen, well now you have major, major, you know, uh, muscle 
build up benefits. I can't think of what the actual word for it is, but you're preventing significant muscle dystrophy. If you have that, you know, either intro workout or within, I would say 30 to 60 minutes following, you have significantly better odds of recovering faster and decreasing your muscle soreness. So, yeah, I mean, what people don't understand is, is this is exactly why guys and athletes at all levels, by the way, mm-hmm. why well, I won't say guys, this is why people take PEDs. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a, do you, I, I, so, um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Dave Yeager was on the third episode. He was from the Brewers, right? Um, he was an athletic trainer for the Brewers and, uh, Dave and I shared a, uh, huge abnormal man crush for Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> and uh, Malcolm Gladwell on his podcast, Revisionist History, um, mm-hmm. actually broke down the difference between Barry Bonds and Andy Pettit. Mm-hmm. So um, Barry Bonds decided that he wanted to show the world that he was a better player than Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, who obviously were on the juice, right? And then, um, but Andy Pettit was taking HGH mm. to recover from an elbow injury. Okay. And now they're two different things. Right. Right? Now, no, I mean, yes. Bonds was able to take those PEDs and recover better, but mm-hmm. this is essentially why people are. This is why they are, especially at the baseball level, right? Yeah. I mean, especially at the pitching level, they're they're right. taking all of these things so they can go out and do it again. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's such an important piece of of that that again, like you could do one simple thing, one habit mm-hmm. of your of your performance cocktail that changes the way that you recover. It changes the way that you you have the ability to go out and perform the next time, and then also that dude that's that's taken or 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 girl that's taken ibuprofen and icing, like the reason that they're doing that is because they don't want to hurt. Right, right. And when I was a senior in high school, I went to a physical therapist, and he said, "How often are you taking ibuprofen?" Yeah. And I said, "I take a thousand milligrams of ibuprofen five days a week." That's great for your liver. We gotta, yep. <laughs> then he's like, "Now we gotta go get your stomach biopsy, just so we can look, or not biopsy, but you know, yeah, yeah. like run there to look for ulcers." Yep. So, and I was sixteen. Yep. Yep. So again, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now. But yeah. if if you're gonna take away one key piece of that recovery cocktail, that tart cherry juice is exponential. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, like that's been used for mm-hmm. a long, 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 long time with with yeah. arthritis. And and uh, uh, arthritis and gout and things like yep. that, right? Yep. So, and then it produces melatonin too, so it helps oh, you sleep better. There you go. Which is that I've heard sleeping is important for recovery, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on on Snapgram or Instachat, uh, probably not uh, good at three o'clock in the morning, huh? No, probably not. Yeah. Late, yeah, and then get up at seven, right? Ugh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Don't get any of that REM sleep. No, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, gosh, man. Yeah, this is this is super fun. This is super cool. Mm-hmm. And and I'm also like the other part about it that I'm like, God, she is like super close. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, very cool, very cool. I mean, this is this will unfortunately for the for my local crew, uh, this is probably not the the last time that they're gonna hear about you. Love right? it, love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get their they're gonna get their heads beaten in with this now because, like. I don't I, – it's hard for me to find people that take their job that seriously, mm-hmm. right? And, and, it's, and so here's the other thing, uh, and this is a funny thing that, that I'll let you think about for a second, and maybe we'll talk about it another time. I don't know. Um, I think the reason why that you're going to be so phenomenally excellent at your job and the reason that you are already is you're passionate about it, but 
your clients can fire you. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like if you were just like, you know, mailing it in at the facility mm -hmm. and your clients and, and, you know, they're paying through their insurance, mm -hmm. you know, that's the reason why I take it so personally. Like uh, my clients choose to stay with me. Yeah. It is not an accident. Right. right? And there's a the reason that they choose you. Yeah. 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 They choose me and I choose them, by the way. Right. Because mm -hmm. I don't work with everybody. Right, exactly, you know? yeah, and that was something that I had to learn. You know, I am a baby dietitian in this field, but um, I had to learn that not everybody is going to be a fit for me. For sure, for sure, yeah. And you know, it's a lot of what you see, because I ask a lot of questions when I sit down with somebody for our initial consult, and half of that is I wanna see what your motivation level is. So if you're not ready for change, if you're not willing to go through, you know, we're gonna have to jump through a couple hoops, and they're right. not hard but you're going to have to be consistent with it. And if you're not ready to do that, I'm not going to take your money. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I don't want it to, I don't want to waste your time, mm -hmm. your parents' time, your yep. parents' money and my time. Exactly. That's how that goes. I, mm -hmm. I have that conversation. Uh, so when I have a, when I have a new young kid come in the door, so about 14 and you'll kind of be able to identify with this as a, as a, uh, an elite level athlete when you were like at about 14 kids st start to lie. They're they, yep. like 13, 12. They're not really liars because they haven't hit that whatever that liar gene is as an athlete. But as soon as they start getting into places where they recognize like, ooh, this role is kind of important for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I will t I will ask like on the phone with a parent, how old is your child? Oh, they're 14. I'm like, oh, they're old enough to be liars. And then you'll kind of hear this long pregnant pause. And I'll say, let me explain to you. Mm -hmm. See, I'm not the guy who's going to take them and put them on the bench. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna advocate for you to play as much as I possibly can. Yes. But you have to live up to your end of the the, the bargain as well. Yep. You have to do homework, yep. right? You have to do the things that I suggest that you do. And I think they forget too that we do homework for them. For sure. You know, we, we're not just sitting down in our one hour allotted time with them, we're doing stuff outside of it too, just so they can be better athletes. Yeah, I spent $6,000 in six months to go take anatomy in motion twice. Oh, yeah. Out of my own pocket. By the way, that's not actually, that's just the cost of, of what I shelled out. That wasn't the 12 days that I was out of my practice. Right. Right? right. So yeah, I'm I'm over the top invested in what I do. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, like the things that I do help me, right? right? But they don't help me half as much as they help my clients. Right. You know? So, right. you know, um, so yeah, I think it's a really important thing for, for people to understand that it's it's hard to find mm -hmm. a, a practitioner at mm -hmm. at a high school level like you. That's not an yeah. easy thing for people to do, by the way. That's not really a lot hard. Of specialize in it, so that's why I get I I pick up a lot of traction with people because of my Instagram handle. Mm -hmm. So it catches a lot of eyes in the in the baseball softball world, which is obviously what it's meant to do. But I have a lot of girlfriends who are like. Kennedy, you are the only one who's doing baseball, softball specific nutrition in a high school age group. For sure. Who does that? For sure. Yeah, no. Um, no, I think it's 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 a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, thing that that mm -hmm. unless you can spot it, and I've been around for a couple days now, right? And and you know, I looked, that was one of the hardest things for me to do in, in the late 2000s as, as kind of like 
it started to become widely accepted. You know, obviously, if you're on the coasts or in the south, right, like it's widely accepted. I mean, you know, go to go to Georgia for football in mm-hmm. high school football or Texas or, you know, go so, or actually for softball. Right. I mean, like those, those people are bananas. Right. Yeah. They're crazy. But finally, mm-hmm. here in the Midwest, it's kind of finally like sunk in like, hey, mm-hmm. there's something going on here. And also, the the thing, too, is like, no, your kid may not play D1, and that's okay. Yeah. But your kid could play D2 or D3, mm-hmm. right? And yep. then the other the other awesome thing about talking with folks like yourself that I'm really excited about is, and you, and you kind of alluded to this earlier on with the career fairs, you are still around a game that you love, and you're contributing <laughs> so to it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Coach JV in my hometown, JV Softball. And I've got a little sister who's 12, so I've been with those girls since uh, they were eight, so the last four, four or five years. Yeah, but as a professional now, though, outside of coaching, mm-hmm. you're still, even if you didn't coach, mm-hmm. right, you're still around the sport that you love. You're contributing right. to, the, to, the, to the softball and the baseball community, yeah. and, and you, you're, you're, you're a pro, but you're not a pro the same way that people think about it. Right, exactly. And so, look, like, like for for all of the people out here that are either trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do in college, because you know, I mean, that's a real, that's a linear path. Yeah. Right? They can. <laughs> I, my hope is that they listen to this podcast and they listen to you and they listen to the passion that they they that you go at it and recognize that hey, this could be you. This, you could be them. Right. And, and I think that sports nutrition, you know, majoring in dietetics, because we have to be licensed, registered after this, you have to have six years of schooling under your belt. But that is the perfect major for a previous athlete, because you have to be so tenacious because sure. there's so many greats in this game. And the ones who are good at it, they stick around for a long, long time. Yeah, because you carve out a niche, right? You right. carve out a, gr- a group. of And also, like for you, as uh, I was thinking about this um earlier with the guys that I work with, you know, uh, the, the three guys that I work with that are, they're, they're trying to, you know, they're in college and they're trying to make it to the next level and mm-hmm. they're having to make some really hard decisions. Right. Um, that also, that, uh, ath- there's a reason athletes make good business owners. Mm-hmm. It's because like you recognize that you're going to suck a lot. Right. Right. And, and as a business owner, you just got to, like I was telling someone the other day, like it, being a business owner, I've been a business owner for 20 years now. Like I, you're, you're just going through just various levels of I suck, right? right. And then, oh. yeah. And then trying to figure out how to not suck really bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. so I think that's a really important thing that, that people can listen to things that like you and, and they can see that like, I could stay around the game I love. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to, you know. So, so what? You're you're five foot six, and you pitched in college, but you don't have a shot at, at the MLB, or right. you're or you're a female softball player, and you know maybe you get lucky enough to go play at the Olympic level, right? But you know after that, what do you do? Mm-hmm. They could they could make a very comfortable living, not really working, by the way, because what I do isn't work, right? Yeah, I don't work. I, like I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. I just go play around with athletes all the time. Like that's yeah. my job. 
right? Yeah. You, what, what's that saying? Like, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah. But but you have a you have a chance to do that with with a, a group of people that you really understand. And also, like one of the best things for me was when I first got out of school and I was trying to and I was uh, getting into massage. Like most of those people didn't understand my wacko personality. Mm -hmm. So now I can be like wacko Sean and the athletes are like, oh, yeah, this is just like anybody else. Right. right? Yeah. So so tell uh, tell everybody how they can find out more about you. So go yeah. ahead and just like give us the whole thing. I'll put it in the show notes, but give us the whole thing. Yeah. So I have a website. So I'm elevate performance nutrition dot org. Mm -hmm. Then you can find me on Instagram at the dot dietitian. So Perfect. Baseball, softball world coming into play again. Yeah, and if people, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, shout you out today in my stories and stuff like that. <laughs> but if people, like, for those of you who are, who are listening to this or watching this, um, if you haven't like followed Kennedy yet, like, do so. She puts out just killer, <laughs> killer content. Uh, that's I saw it and I was like, nah. And then I got in and I was like, oh, look. It's a little piece of my brain in there. Yeah, right. But I love it. I love how I love how much education you put into it, because that's the other thing too. Is like, God, man, oh, poor. I couldn't imagine trying to figure out who you're going to work with as an as an athlete today, because you were inundated with every professional that's trying to sell you every freaking gadget under the sun. Right, right, right. And that's one of my things, too. I'm like, I'm not going to cold call these athletes. Right. You know, like I said, I want them to see inside my brain, see who I am, see what I do. And if I'm a fit for you, you call me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a because that education piece and, and, and actually like, again, giving you a piece of my brain, uh -huh. you know, is such a huge component to um, to, to like to again, making a dent in the industry mm -hmm. because that's the struggle. Right. It's right. so it's so easy to get swallowed up by everything else. Yes, and I tell all these athletes too. I'm like you, you are changing the face of the game. What it will be in the next four years because For sure. it's a whole group of athletes who takes advantage of, you know, pitching coaches like yep. yourself, dietitians like myself, yep. strength and conditioning coaches. The game will not in four years be what it is today. For sure, financial. For sure, yeah, yeah, and and also like you know, content and information travel so much freer now. Like, mm -hmm. like the, 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 the stickiness is coming off all of it, you know, and it, and it increases to, you know, and the, the, also the blessing and the curse of that is just, they're just inundated with stuff, you know? Right. So, um, but yeah. And, and not having a, yes, I have an angle. Of course I have an angle. I have something to sell, but right. the angle, not my angle is, is trying to not have it be sales. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, so cool. Well, Kennedy, I am so glad that we got a chance to talk. Me too. And, this is awesome. Yeah. And obviously this is just part one, right? I mean, like, exactly. you know, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do this again and, and, uh, and, and talk a little bit more in the future, you know, as the podcast gets a little bit farther down the road. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and out of on Memorial day. Right mm -hmm. to to chat yeah, with we're me. Yeah, busy in quarantine. Yeah, right. <laughs> to, to take the time to chat with me and 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 have such a great conversation, and I'm so glad we connected. Yeah, thanks for having me, Antron. This is awesome. All right, thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for listening to the Pitching Nerd Show. To grow the Pitching Nerd crew, do me a favor: rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me to get to better guests 
and more opportunities for the podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you guys soon.